<laughs> Greetings, citizens. You're now trapped in a nerd cage with your hosts, Mark and Jay. We hope you have a smashing good time. <laughs> Hello and welcome. That's right, you're trapped in nerd cage live this ain't just a reaction show but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and i tick so thank you for joining us tonight happy halloween and please hit that like button and subscribe i'm your co-host jay saint g coming to you live from syracuse new york and always with me the warrior from wakanda the fiend from louisville mark withers what's shaking man Hey, what's going on, man? Super excited to be here as usual. And uh, Jay is showing us a uh, a Funko Pop <laughs> Norman Bates, which looks awesome. And uh, so the reason why he's doing that is because uh, tonight's episode is going to be a look back at the 60th anniversary of the classic horror film by uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And yes, I'm talking about Psycho. Now, this movie has influenced everything that came after it, but it almost didn't get made. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, okay. I wanted to see, after a rewatch, Jay, what are your thoughts on the movie? You know what? I like this movie more as an adult than I, than I did when I was a kid. Right. Because I understand cinematography now. I, I understand budget. I understand, I understand movies in general better than I did as a kid. So there's more to appreciate. The cinematography right off the hand, the, the the camera movement is so ahead of its time. And that score and, you know, like everything that's been said already. But yeah, I feel like the even the beauty of this movie, even if you know the ending, it's mm -hmm. so worth a rewatch because you can watch it knowing the ending, the truth about Norman Bates. And if you've never seen it before, you're still in for a twist. And at the end of the day like i feel like this movie's aged well and and on top of that this was a universal film universal right. brought us frankenstein the creature from the black lagoon dracula wolfman to me norman bates is is the other universal monster that right i feel like it's that should be lumped into that category yeah and it and it's interesting that you say that because you know the executives at Universal didn't even want to make this. Um, the The story, for anybody who doesn't know, it's based off of a book written by Robert Block, who based the Norman Bates character loosely off of uh, the serial killer Ed Gein. Yep. So it was a it was sort of a the book itself was sort of a critical uh, success. People were talking about it, um, and uh, you know Universal kind of. Uh, got wind of it, but they were not interested in in making it as a film because they felt like it it was a little bit too much for audiences. So that said, um, around the same time, Alfred Hitchcock was really looking for something shocking because he had uh, tried to option another movie, um, uh, another story called uh, Diabolique which, you know, the licensing actually was bought by another studio and they uh, turned that into a film maybe like a year or two prior. And it turned out to be this highly influential film. He wanted to make something along those same lines. And so his his uh, assistant brought him the psycho story 
and he was interested in that. And so he purchased the rights to that for about $9,500. And in addition to that, he purchased all of the outstanding books that, you know, all the novels that were for sale. He didn't want it to be available to anybody because he was like, I don't want anybody to know what the twist is. I don't want really anybody to know what story is. When he brought his pitch to Universal, they initially said, no way, we're not gonna make this movie because he Can had- you blame them though? Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like like they were expecting, at the time he was trying to, he, he, had, he had been slated to do this other movie called No Bail for the Judge. Um, and the actress in that, Audrey Hepburn, uh, she got pregnant at the time and then she couldn't do the film and some other things happened. And so the, the development for that movie fell apart. Universal wasn't very happy with him. And so Hitchcock pit, pitched this to them. They said, no way, we're not interested in it. We've already decided that we're not gonna touch this story. He, um, he pitched to them that, okay, well, I'll take a reduced fee in order to do this they still said no so then he was like well fine what i'll do is i'll use my own money and i'll keep the budget under a certain i'll keep the budget under a million dollars and i'll use my crew from my tv show he had a show called alfred hitchcock presents at the time yep. so he did all of those things and then in exchange for that he negotiated a deal with them for like a six percent stake in the profits so with that, they agreed to get the movie uh, on track. And that's kind of how we got that film. Wow. So Mark, to add on top of everything you just said, you need to watch the movie Hitchcock with Anthony Hopkins, who plays Alfred Hitchcock during the making of the movie Psycho. It's really, really well done. Scarlett Johansson is in there as uh, Janet Lee and... The movie's just so well done. It explains everything that went on behind the scenes. They really show the behind the scenes of the whole shower scene and all the stress that Alfred Hitchcock went through during the making of this film really took a toll on him and his wife and his relationship with his wife. Like, it's a really, really fascinating watch. If you're a fan of Psycho, this is a much watch. If you're a fan of horror, you should watch this. Or Hitchcock, or if you just like Anthony Hopkins, it's a really great performance by him. We couldn't talk about Psycho without talking about 2012's Hitchcock. So if you want to know more about behind the scenes and the making of the movie and what led to this movie, watch the movie Hitchcock from 2012. Awesome. I, I definitely am intrigued by what you just said. So I didn't even know that uh, that movie existed. And I'm a huge fan of all the actors that you mentioned. And so I am going to probably try to get that one in this week and take a look at it. Um, that said, I mean, can we talk about the music for a minute? I yes. feel like that movie would not be what it is mm -hmm. without that score. I mean, just the the opening credits kind yep. of give you the vibe of like what this movie is going to be about. And it's so tense. I think that Bernard Herrmann um, was the right pick for this, uh, for this score. I know originally like Hitch Hitchcock wanted like a bigger like orchestration he wanted like a, a more of a jazz feel from what i understand but because the budget was so constrained and because uh herman wasn't willing to take a reduced fee yeah what they could afford was a four-piece violin like a quartet basically mm -hmm. and so they used that 
as effectively as possible and the result was was incredible in my opinion i mean you don't have that shower that, that effect with the shower scene without wow. that dun, 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 you know what i mean yeah. which is like it's like, a, it's like iconic sound it's exactly well, exactly so so yeah so you know i wanted to get your thoughts on that too like what do you think of that well, here's the thing. Like, I heard the Psycho theme before I saw the movie Psycho. It's been, it's, it's such had a huge impact on pop culture. So many TV shows have parried it, and like, and in fact, uh, there's like bands have used it. Like, for example, like Body Count used it in the second album that they did. I forgot what right. song, but they, but they used it as an intro to one of their songs. I'm just like, yeah. So that that's how big that this, the that 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 simple piece of music and it's it spanned across all platforms of pop culture whether it's tv music movies and everything else and it's, it's just so iconic and it's and it's just so uh eerie and tense right right also worth noting that buster rhymes used the main theme as a hook for one of his songs give me some more which was like <laughs> one of my favorite buster rhymes songs for a long time before yeah, awesome. i actually like saw psycho like I, I'd heard that, I'd heard that riff, I'd heard that break before, and then uh, when I finally got to see the movie, I was like, "Oh, that's where that's from." You know yep, what I mean? Like, and it just like made me love the song <laughs> even more. So, I mean, that's how pervasive this this score is, and and I think that it's easily Herman's best work, um, one of the most recognizable pieces of music in in movie history. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's 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 undeniable. I mean, I think it really uh, makes in a lot of ways it makes the movie. Absolutely. And can we also just say that this movie, as far as I'm concerned, this was the movie that gave birth to the slasher genre of horror movies. Because before Psycho, I mean, I, when, you, when you think I know people talk about Halloween, Friday the 13th, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But you know what? Psycho predates all those movies. It, and I know that Alfred Hitchcock was going for a suspenseful movie, but this is really uh, the birth of slasher horror. It really I, is. I, I, I agree. And and uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, uh, he kind of said as much. Like a few years later, he came out with Blood Feast, which is considered by a lot of people to be the first slasher film or the first splatter film. And uh, that was, you know, it sort of like caused this domino effect where you know, that movie then influenced Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. That influenced Friday the 13th. And yep. like, you know, all of these things, all basically all roads lead back to Psycho. You know, exactly. even even Halloween, you know, the first Halloween movie, is, you know, has a bunch of Psycho references. The psychiatrist in, in Psycho, in, I'm sorry, the psychiatrist in Halloween, Dr. his Loomis. name is, is Dr. Loomis. Well, one of the main characters in Psycho is Sam Loomis. And you find out through the backstory of, of Halloween that the that Dr. Dr. Loomis, his first name is also Sam. So it was a tribute to it was a tribute to that film. Also worth noting that Janet Lee is the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Laurie Strode. Oh wow, I forgot. Yeah. I completely forgot. My good wow. <laughs> <laughs> So funny, we all we all come full circle. I completely forgot about that. Wow. 
damn. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. This movie gave birth to like so many, like I said, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the, you know, with the dead bodies, you know, the, the way they use them, I should say. And of course, Friday the 13th, you know, kill from mother. I mean, right. Where we got that from. And of course, in Halloween, you know, there are shots of Mike Myers holding the knife and it's the same motion that you see, you know, Norman Bates use the knife and everything. So yeah, like, you know, without, you know, basically without Psycho, we don't have the horror movies that we have today. Right. And, you know, um, the the actual, you know, the murder scenes in that film are relatively tame by today's standards. But back in 1960, that was considered so repulsive yep. that that um, that critics like almost universally panned it. In fact, one critic was so grossed out by it that she left the theater early before it ended and then resigned her post as a critic mm -hmm. because she was just like, I don't want to be subjected to movies like this ever again. So, so I mean, it's, it's interesting that that was the movie that kind of broke that barrier as far as um, stepping up the, the level of violence in film and, the, and the, that was sort of the origin of gore in, in horror films. I'm glad you mentioned that because there was a scene at the very end of the Hitchcock movie where um, Alfred Hitchcock is standing by himself at the at the premiere of the movie, and he's just relishing. He's just waiting for the people, the, the theater's reaction to the shower scene. Right. And he he's up, you know, he's just going, you know, going through the motions, and he's like getting all excited, and and then he heard the the shock of the people in the theater, and he's laughing like, I got them. <laughs> that was what he was going for. Right. He was going for that. Speaking of, uh, in the original movie, I think, if I'm not mistaken, after rewatching it, Hitchcock had a brief cameo at the very beginning of the movie. He was standing outside yes. the. Yep. It's okay. I, standing I outside of the of Janet yep. Lee's work. Yeah. Yep. I didn't catch that the first time I watched it, but then the other day I, I was watching. I was like, is that Alfred Hitchcock? And then yep. I looked it up and I saw that, yeah, that was him. And the reason why he picked that scene to do his cameo is that he wanted to be. It gave him an opportunity to be close to his daughter, who was, I guess, in that scene. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, oh, this will give me the give me the chance to spend the day with my daughter if I can. If, oh. if I just do this little extra bit here. That's a nice little story. So. So, yeah, I mean, what's that, what out there, what's out there is out there about Psycho. I mean, like I said, to me, upon a rewatch of this movie's age, I feel like I, I appreciate it more now as an adult as I did as a kid. And I feel like it's uh, it's definitely worth a rewatch. I had a good time rewatching and we couldn't finish this look back without mentioning the sequels that followed the remake that followed right. and of and of course we already mentioned the hitchcock movie but also the bates motel tv series right right so the sequels <laughs> all right listen i am not here to bash the sequels i mean you you can't surpass the first one but the sequels are certainly interesting um they're definitely worth uh watching if you can find them that's the thing the sequels are really really hard to find like right. i can't think of any streaming service i can't even think of it like i don't know if there's a blu-ray or dvd set of these movies i really don't um and i actually watched them uh i re-watched them like maybe a decade ago online like i binged all the sequels like back to back to back to back because i was curious because at the time the only movies i've seen was the first one in that crap remake with vince vaughn which is again it's crap if you're gonna remake a movie like at least try to make it different try to make it better right. they tried so hard they, they were trying to like recapture every scene and then there's also a ridiculous masturbation scene and like 
it's just it was just so dominant to me vince vaughn just it just it just doesn't work i'm not bashing vince vaughn at all, but he's no norman bates it just didn't work um yeah i'll never, the, I'll never yeah, watch it yeah they um from what i understand what they were trying what gus van zandt was trying to achieve with that he he was experimenting and, and saying seeing okay well what will happen if i do like a shot by shot remake and i don't make any changes and it failed i think in part because you know times change people's tastes change our tolerance for violence kind of changes like all of those things you know kind of play into why the original works and why this sort of this shot by shot remake didn't you know it's like you know like you said if you're going to redo it kind of modernize it and make it you know give it that level that extra level of verisimilitude that it needs but they you know in large part they use like the same screenplay with the, the exact same no. lines and those lines don't really work in like the modern era the way in the same way that they did in 1960. yeah so it just it just kind of like flopped it just didn't it didn't do what it was supposed to do which is unfortunate it, it's you know gus van zandt is actually a good director and it'd be it would have it would have behooved him to kind of just put his own spin on it and sort of modernize it yeah it's just epic failure altogether. now like i said these the other canon sequels are interesting though uh, so Psycho 2 uh, came out in 1981 or 82, I can't remember. It was either 81 or 82, and it takes place, you know, in 1981. Right. And basically in this one, uh, Norman Bates has served his time in the, in the mental institution, and they said that he's cured, of, you know, from his mental disease and that they want to integrate him, start integrate him slowly back into society. And, you know, he has to find a job and this, this and that. Well, lo and behold, spoiler alert, that uh, his mental illness comes back to haunt him. And he starts, you know, going into uh, mother mode, you know, right. again, like there's stuff that in there that like triggers him to do it. And, you know, again, it just shows that, you know, that he shouldn't have been left, let out. Right. It's it's not a bad sequel. It's 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 nowhere near as good as the first one, but it's definitely not a bad sequel at all. It's actually a good sequel. It's worth watching. Now, Psycho Three again. I'm going off sheer memory because it's been over a decade. Now, Psycho Three is kind of a continuation of Psycho Two, but this time uh, Norman Bates falls in love with a woman, and just as he was about to kill her, uh, she she like slips in the shower and she hits her. I don't remember, but she hits her head. And she thinks she sees the Virgin Mary, but it's really Norman dressed up as his, as his mother. Right. But he doesn't end up finishing the job. And then, like, she thinks that she's being, you know, that the Virgin Mary or an angel's coming to save her and this, this, and that. He does not end up killing her, but he ends up falling in love with her. And again, he's trying to have this relationship with her, but he's, you know, fighting his mental illness. And again, right. has his sporadic um, mother moments. And right. they go, and again, the, the what makes the, the two sequels kind of fascinating there is they go a little bit, they dig a little bit deeper, you know, with the whole mother thing. And, you know, you hear the, the mother's voice talk to him and say things that you didn't hear in the first movie and stuff. So it adds a little bit more uh, development there, which is pretty cool. Now, Psycho 4. Um, now, this one, 
This one's a little off-putting. So this one it was made for TV movie that came back came out in 1991, and this serves as a sequel to the third third one, but it was also a prequel. Basically, what the whole premise is is Norman Bates is home, and he's calling a radio station, and he's uh, sharing the story about what happened to him as a kid with his mother. So it's actually right. a prequel. It's actually about Norman and his mother when she was still alive. Um, and then the actress that plays his mother is actually the same actress that played Juliet in the Romeo and Juliet movie from the sixties. Um, so yeah, he's just, he's just, you know, telling the story about him and his mother and that he starts getting the urge to kill again. And, and there's kind of like a somewhat happy ending to it. Um, it's not really that good. Uh, but it's definitely worth watching. And it's really interesting though, because I feel like that was the movie that kind of like launched the idea for what we got in Bates Motel. Which was a great show. I, yeah. I, I loved that show a lot. I mean, I, th I thought that Freddie Highmore uh, was a great, like young version of Norman Bates. You know, yep. He has just enough creepiness, but at the same time, just enough likability to mm -hmm. sort of make him the protagonist in that. And uh, I've always been a fan of Vera Farmiga. Uh, yes. you know, I think she did a really good job of, of playing his mom. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, very few flaws in, in that show. I, you know, I, I really wish I had watched that final season. I missed out on it, but I know that you watched it to the mm -hmm. end. What, what did you think of that last season? Well, the, the only problem with the last season is the way it ends ultimately doesn't lead up to what we know as Psycho. I'll leave it at that. Right. Um, but the, the series as a whole was pretty solid. And, you know, if you can if you can take the way like, well, hey, this this ending doesn't make sense if you're going to lead up to, you know, Psycho, you know, Psycho, the character. But right. uh, if you if you watch it and just take it like this is just a whole separate universe and that it's like a whole different take on Norman Bateson, then it it does end the way you kind of would want it to, I guess. Mm -hmm. The characters that ultimately survive are the ones that you're kind of rooting for. So hope I'm not giving too much spoilers away for those who haven't seen it. But yeah, it was it was it was overall it was a solid series. It really was. Um, in fact, I would probably take Bates Motel over Psycho 4 for sure, even though Bates Motel was clearly influenced by Psycho 4 right down to the, down to a T. Interesting. Interesting. I don't re really remember any of the sequels. Like I vaguely remember Psycho 2. I remember the trailer. It's worth it's definitely worth rewatching. If you can like I said, if you can find them. Like I said, anyone in the comments can please let us know where you can find these movies readily available because I really feel like this this I think the Psycho franchise deserves like a four pack of Blu-rays that has all the movies because I really Again, I know the sequels by no means are better, don't even come close to the first one, but they're definitely worth watching, especially this. Among the sequels, the second one's probably the best one between two, three, and four. Two is easily the best one. Three was a little off putting, but it was interesting and it had a pretty damn good ending. And then Psycho Four, which is Psycho Four was weird because it's a, it's a sequel and a prequel. It's kind of, they, and, you know, and you could clearly tell it was made for TV. So, but it's again, they're worth watching if you can find them. Interesting. So before we wrap this up, I mean, you know, my closing thoughts on this film is, are that, you know, it's it's easily one of the most influential movies of the, the last century. Um, certainly still has, uh, you know, certainly has, you know, carries a lot of weight today, you know, you know, for people who are really 
uh, fans of noir cinema, of suspense, of, thr of thr thrillers and horror and things like that. Um, so influential. And, uh, you know, it's definitely worth a watch if you have not seen it. Um, and it's definitely worth a rewatch if you have. So what are your what are your thoughts on it? Psycho is a familiar, familiar I can't even talk to you. Psycho is a <laughs> phenomenal piece of horror history. It really is. And easily Hitchcock's, I mean, it's it's debatable, but I feel like this is Alfred Hitchcock's best movie. And I feel like this is the movie that aged the best. And, you know, like I said, without Psycho, no Halloween, no Friday the 13th, no Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, this movie really, uh, the influence is still felt in horror today. And yeah, I just feel like it's it's aged pretty good and, and it's it's a top-notch film. It really is. I, I can't knock on the film at all. I really can't. I you know, I just you know, you you know, sometimes when you do these rewatches, you know, okay, you're gonna see stuff that you didn't pick up on the first time, like, oh, that doesn't really work. Well, to me, psycho still works. Right. And the fact that we're still talking about it 60 years later says it all. You know, it basically speaks volumes to you know how good that movie is and, and what a master of horror hitchcock was absolutely so yeah thoughts on uh, everyone in the comments man thoughts on psycho and have you seen the sequels what are your thoughts on the sequels what are your thoughts on the remake and of course highly recommend rewatch psycho and definitely watch the movie hitchcock it, it, it it's it's a fascinating watch so you know we're wishing everybody out there a happy halloween at this time of the recording uh, we are very excited for our upcoming show with a live stream with Zach Householder of Whitechapel. So, you know, we could definitely talk about horror movies there and nerd culture and music. So we're really, really looking forward. I hope everyone can make it there. And if you happen to listen to this after the stream, go back and watch the stream for sure. Yes. So like I said in a, in a past episode, I really think this coming Thursday is going to be an episode for the ages. You know, it's, uh, you know, we've, we've got... Uh, you know, Zach from Whitechapel, who's a really good friend of mine. He's also very much into nerd culture and all the cool things that we're in, into. You know, it's going to be sort of our, our live sort of Halloween special, if you would, you know, for lack of a better term. So it's going to be a good time. So if you miss it, you know, it'll still be up on YouTube. Uh, you know, it'll be worth a watch if you get a chance. Yeah. So that being said, before we go, we ask you to pretty please like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell, spread this shit like syphilis, and happy Halloween to everyone. You know, it was definitely, we, we, we had to pick Psycho as our pick for our Halloween look back, and we hope we, you really enjoyed. So, so USA, from Louisville to Syracuse, to all of our friends and fans around the world at Nerd Cage Live, enjoy life, stay safe, and again, happy Halloween, and good night. Sayonara. Trying to get out of the nerd cage, are ya? Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button! And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell! Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! <laughs> Ha <laughs>